Welcome back, everybody, to this Monday edition of the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast Recap Special. <laughs> I'm always changing the wording up, but it's uh, the MMA Weekend Recap for UFC Long Island, headlined by T-City Brian Ortega and Yair Rodriguez, along with just a wealth of other great fights yes. on the card. Uh, before we get into it, though, Dominic... I know you 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 had you had the back nine as some would say to play. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm no <laughs> golfer, but I know Dominic. You were out there on the green, having yourself a, a morning yesterday before the fights. How did it go? And then how was watching the fights at our buddy's new apartment? It was a great Saturday with uh, two of my best buds. We went out there and golfed early in the morning yesterday. A little tiny par three course. There's nothing like going out there and changing it up working on the short game, working on the irons, the wedges, all the fun stuff. Um, but, yeah, we finished up right on time, only had to do uh, one fight on the golf course. Watched <laughs> it on the phone, had it playing through the speaker, and then the rest was good to go. But it was it was a good day, good company, good food, um, and it all checked out in a, an action-packed card. So it was a good weekend, man. You're back home. How was the ending of your vacation, and then how did you enjoy the fights this weekend? Ending a vacation, very solid. Never quite hit the 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 peaks that had been set for it previous right. with the the bear and whatnot. But no, it was a great time. Pretty smooth the rest of the way. Um, drive home was uh, not too bad, you know, for for being that it's like five hours, which mm-hmm. just sucks in general. But it was a lot smoother than when I went to Gatlinburg and. and in the spring when I had food poisoning on my drive oh, back. That yes, was, uh, yes. we had to push back our entire episode because of that. <laughs> Just, yeah, you know. But yeah, coming back yesterday, got to hang out with my dad for a little bit yesterday and my grandma. So got to see everybody I'll be heading back after this episode pretty shortly, uh, to, to old Indiana back to the, back to the nose grind as, mm-hmm. uh, as they say. So, um, why did I say nose grind? Back to the grind. Back to the as grind. As they sign. <laughs> nose to the grindstone. There That's you what go. I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, uh, the fights were great. Um, I did not get invited to watch the fights with my friends. That's fine. Um, you know, I just watched it by myself. You know. Was I in Ohio? Yes. But, you know, you, <clears throat> it can't be helped sometimes. Yeah, right. I'm not much of a golfer, so I get I don't get included in any shaft. Yeah. <laughs> But, Dominic, before we hop into this, I'm going to let you, since you're someone who doesn't invite your friends to watch fights with you, uh, I'm going to let you uh, plug our social media real quick. <laughs> That's the correlation. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. You can find us personally for myself, Deesley14 on Twitter and Instagram. And for Noah, I pointed the wrong way. Damn it. At NT Baker underscore. A lot of action there. A lot of fun times. Come give us a follow. Build the community as we continue growing this podcast. But yeah, that's where you can find us. Now we talk fights. Yep. Good job, Dom. And we start with our main event at UFC Long Island. It was in a brand new uh, arena for the UFC. It what looked nice. The, yeah. I forget what the arena's called. Do you UBS remember? Arena. UBS Arena. This is a pretty new one out in Long Island. And this was the first time the UFC had been in Long Island since 2017 mm-hmm. or 2019, one of the two. Uh, our main event ends up 
not delivering in the way that we expected. Yair Rodriguez is credited with a TKO victory over Brian Ortega. Four minutes, 12 seconds of round number one. Uh, this was due to an injury. Ortega's shoulder appeared to have popped out of its socket. So the fight was over. It was done. Um, Dominic, I am going to ask you, though, we saw four minutes and 12 seconds of this fight. Was there any takeaways for the fight itself from what you could gather? You know, a lot of people are focusing about the aftermath right now, which mm -hmm. rightfully so. The fight seems to be kind of in the back burner. Yeah. Since it was so short, didn't really... There's not like uh, there's nothing definitive maybe that you can take away, but I'm curious when you look back on the four minutes and twelve seconds we got, what stood out to you? Man, it just felt so short, and what was on pace to be an action-packed fight because it started fast and furious, and it didn't really stop until the injury happened. Um, on the feet, Yair looked good. No surprise there was landing powerful shots. Brian Ortega eating them per usual. The dude steals made out of granite was punching back his own right. Um, they did go to the grappling realm a little bit. Nothing really substantial. Brian Ortega's arm got locked up by Yair. He went to pull out so that he could mount on top, not full mount, but literally mount on top to rain strikes down. And it just popped, popped out of socket, dislocated, whatever the case may be. And that's all we got to see. It's unfortunate. It's our second main event this year that's ended via injury. Rakich and uh, Jan Blahovich, we got to see a little bit more of, went into the second round and before Rakich blew his knee out. So it's just unfortunate to see such a high-level fight end so shortly when it looked like it was really going to deliver everything that the fans and us had expected of that fight. And one that had very high stakes, number two versus number three, potential title shots on the line for Yair especially. So it's unfortunate for Brian that he gets injured. It's unfortunate for Yair that he was one step away from a title, and it may not be the same right now, which we'll discuss shortly. But what are you going to do? I mean, as the headline says, Noah put it perfectly, that's life. Noah said it to his stepdad yesterday. Brian Ortega <laughs> said it in the post-fight interview. That's life. Things happen. Yeah, I had no idea that he said that when I put this as the headline. That's what's so funny. Um, my big takeaway, you got to – Yair Rodriguez looked terrific. I mean, mm -hmm. he looked – he looked. I mean, he was piecing up Brian Ortega on the feet. Um, but what was so interesting was what caused the injury was Ortega finally got the fight to the ground. Yeah, yeah. And it would have been interesting to see what would have happened there if it had remained there for the rest of the round and maybe if round two, if Ortega could have gotten that takedown. We were just starting to see – Ortega go to his strength, get it, mm -hmm. and he actually was able to get it there. Um, so there's not a ton of takeaways for Ortega, which is so unfortunate because he's the one that's dealing with the injury here. But you mentioned something interesting. I guess really that's all we can talk about for the fight itself. I mean, I thought Rodriguez looked very sharp yeah. early, which is something. But let's talk about what this means for that potentially promised title shot for Yair Rodriguez. You know, mm -hmm. the UFC... Yair had been saying all week that the UFC had told him if he wins this fight, you are the next guy for Volkanovski's featherweight title. Right. I'm curious, Dominic, now that the fight has taken place, it ended the way it did, does he still get that title shot? Or in some ways, is it an, an unfortunate almost punishment that, uh, punishment's not the right word, but indirectly, if you don't give him the title fight, it is almost like a form of like, in some ways, it's almost like punishing him for something that he had no no bearing on in an injury to the guy he was fighting. So do you still give him the title fight, or does this 
result and the fact that it's so unfulfilling and didn't really he didn't really win the fight per se mean that uh he's gonna have to wait a little longer yeah i I would say wait a little longer i think and you you, your first text message in the group josh emmett should get the title fight now and i would agree i think it really it's unfortunate because you know josh was already on the win streak and he already had earned it per se but yair ahead of him the competition differences whatever the case may be to get yair in there if he would have won yesterday but i think that being that there wasn't a deciding victory it ends in the first round very shortly um and via injury for brian ortega i think josh emmett should get that title fight now and of course everything's up in the air with Volkanovski's injuries out 12 weeks apparently with hand surgery but it's just um, it, it's super unfortunate, again, when you have high-level guys like this and you really did believe this was Yair's chance to shine and for Ortega to bounce back. So I hate, you know, kind of saying, well, you didn't – you won, but you didn't really win. So, Yair, sorry, it doesn't work this way. But I'm, I'm trying to remember, you know, initial faults for Jan Blahovich when he won via injury for Alexander Rakic's leg because going into that one, it was really a number-one contender fight for both guys, I felt, more so than this one. But even then, it's like – because we saw Yuri and Glover fight, and now it just seems like, well, Glover maybe does get, you know, should get the title fight before Jan because Jan did win, but it wasn't, you know, kind of the same way we're seeing here. <clears throat> so I would say no title fight for Yair, unfortunately. Josh Emmett gets the driver's seat right now. Yeah, I think now more than ever, Josh Emmett is yeah. Josh Emmett's the biggest winner of this card. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> like, and who would have thought that going in? But unfortunately, I'm not sure if any of these guys are actually going to be in their next fight fighting for a title because of that Volkanovski injury. And mixed with that, Dom, I listened to the Ringer MMA show, which is a great listen. I recommend everybody to listen to it. Ariel Hawani, Chuck Mendenhall, Pizzi Carroll, great group of guys. But I like listening to it because Ariel will drop these little nuggets in there. Um <laughs> like Spotify, Ringer, MMA exclusives, whatever. Mm. And he mentioned that the UFC is looking at a first quarter 2023 return to Australia. Oh, boy. So I hear this and I go, well, you know Volkanovski ain't going to miss that. Right. He will not miss that. Yeah. So that kind of made me a little more pessimistic on the idea that Volkanovski is going to be fighting this year at all, the rest of the Mm. year. I think – he he also quote tweeted the yep. announcement of Oliveira Islam and said, "I call next." Basically, yep. I called a winner, mm-hmm. and uh, the timetable might surely add up. For, yep, it uh, does. <laughs> Australia first quarter twenty twenty three. The winner of that fight. I don't love where this is starting to point to, <laughs> but. Um, it's like there's things I love about it, and then there's things that I'm like, oh, I don't love that though. There's two um, words Noah really doesn't want to like put out into the atmosphere, and it's interim title. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, if Volkanovski, let's say, decides he's not fighting until like February, March, they go yeah. back to Australia. I still think it's asinine to put an interim title. In place. <laughs> yeah, yes. he just defended the title what two weeks ago. Yeah, and he got hurt. You know, it can't help that either. But I mean, that's like seven months away. Like, who cares right. if, right? Like, yeah, that's a little long. Like, some, that's that's a little bit on the longer side. But there's no reason to put an interim title in place. Yeah, the champion gets his hand surgery. He'll be back. Right. You're just you. You want him to fight in Australia because that's who he represents. Like, yeah. 
champions have gone longer without defending their titles and not had an interim put in place. But right. <laughs> what it, I just um, but then uh, the idea that he might be wanting that spot to fight the winner of Oliveira Islam delays the division more. Yeah. And then you have to really <laughs> consider what yeah. the, what that means. Yeah. Um, now Dominic is trying to, he's tried to claim on this podcast that he thinks Volkanovski can go back and forth, uh, which, you know, I think we can all agree is just, I mean, that's the silliest thing we've ever heard in our lives. Right. Everybody, right. right. Everybody comment, let Dom know how silly that is. Yeah. Um, but, it's it, then you'll have to do an interim title. I mean, you yeah. just you'll have to. Yeah, and that's sucks. <laughs> that sucks so bad. They literally brought it up within thirty minutes of the main event ending to Dana White. They already pitched the idea. You know? Yeah. So ideally, Josh Emmett's fighting for a title by the end of the year, in my opinion. Yeah. But. Not I'm, not confident, I'm not confident Volkanovski's fighting again at the end of the year. Yeah. So then that leaves him and Yair, which I think is a great... Him and Yair, I'm all oh, for yeah. it. Yeah. It's just, why is there got to be an interim title on it, you know? Right. But if Volkanovski's going the lightweight, you know, you, you do need to keep the division moving right so yeah we could be talking a year from now before the 145 pound undisputed belt gets defended because so. it right i because i would rather have instead of doing all these interim titles i would be more on board with doing like number one contender fights be five rounds like just and that's the all UFC. the interim title fights are anyway let's be right. honest but right? i mean the ufc they don't love a lot of times to say it's a number one contender fight like they don't yeah. always go out there and say it true more than at least we do yeah but um, they, if they if they have it, they should make that 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 raises the stakes, and you can make it five rounds. Like I'm not opposed to that at all. Yeah, take out because everybody says, well, if you take the interim title off, you know they, it's a three, it's a you know it's a three round fight instead of a five round fight. Talking right. about like, you know, Adesanya Gastelum would have been three rounds instead of five. No, just make it a number one contender fight. Yeah. Make it five rounds. Do it that way. But you're right. It is basically a glorified number one contender fight. But there is the pay benefit of, of course, you, get, you know, of course. that that champions pay. So, all in all, what we're probably going to see, if I had to guess, I think by the end of the year, or early next year, whatever it might be, probably Rodriguez Emmett for the interim title. I think that's yeah. uh, probably the the way we're going to go here. Um, again. I hate it. I hate that the interim title is being introduced unless, again, I'll put a caveat on there, unless that Volkanovsky really does get the winner of, you know, Oliveira Islam in the first quarter of 2023. Otherwise, I'm going to be like, why isn't he defending his belt? Like, why? You know, is he really going to wait till the summer to fight for the lightweight title? Like, that would be crazy to me. Like, at that point, you got to be like, this division's got to move, brother. Yeah, like, it's too stacked on. right now. You have to keep it going. I mean, it is stacked, but I, I think uh, I think for a lot of people, why there's not enough, why there's not more people, I guess, saying this is because I don't think there's a lot of viable people to take the belt from Volkanovski because I think Volkanovski's yeah. just proven to be that good. Yeah. Um, 
A lot of people might ask, what's this mean for Arnold Allen? Because a lot of people want Arnold Allen to fight Josh Emmett, which, again, yeah. you could put Arnold Allen against either of those two guys, and it'd be a great fight. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Emmett get the title fight and do Yair Arnold and Allen. Because, Dom, you said uh, something about running this fight back between Ortega and Yair, and not mm-hmm. that I'm opposed to it, because it is such a great fight on paper, but it feels like, we got to like keep the division moving. And I don't know if running this fight back is really helping Yair any, like, I mean, it's, it would be a, a stand up thing to do, but he needs the Arnold Allen or Josh Emmett fights are probably the more, um, number one contender fights than fighting Ortega is right now. Yeah. I mean, ideal situation have to be Volk defend one more time end of the year against Emmett, Yair, and Arnold Allen, assuming Brian Ortega's shoulder. He seemed pretty pessimistic about it, only because he's had bad luck with shoulders in the past. He's already had two shoulder surgeries. So, I mean, that would be, like, kind of checking off all boxes there. And, obviously, we just hope Brian Ortega can recover quickly as well. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. It it just sucks to have a fight like this in the way it did. I know. You want yeah. you want more takeaways. You know what I mean? Well, you Because there's plenty of discussion takeaways. points, but... And there's so much going on with this division right now. Yeah. I mean, listen to all we're still talking about. And it felt like this was going to be a big, like, direction point for the division. Yes, yes. If Ortega won, all of a sudden, you know, I think Emmett still comes out looking pretty good in that case. And and Ortega maybe does get that fight with Arnold Allen or someone like that. But then if Yair wins, you maybe do the title fight with him, and then you do Emmett versus Allen, like mm-hmm. there was just a lot of possibilities, but obviously Volkanovski definitely wants to move up, and that just is going to throw a little wrench in everything. So, uh, yeah. and he's got the hand surgery, of course. So, right, it's just um, you know, it's a little deflating for a division that's so hot coming in to coming out. It feels like there's a lot, there's a lot of things I don't love about the direction we're going for the division, but yeah. you know, it'll all work itself out over time. It's just, um, you know, the road to get there might be a little bumpy. Yeah, exactly. Um, the not, well, the co-main event of the prelims is actually our second headline here. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's because, um, your guy, Ricky Simone, More shocks Ricky the world. It. He takes the O from Jack Shore. 16 and one now mm. and honestly didn't make it look like the hardest challenge i've seen him face yeah he gets it done via submission round two three minutes 28 seconds in i mean wow i'm i was very very shocked by the result here not that ricky won the fight but that he won it so handedly i mean he, yeah to be quite candid he 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 won the entire fight i mean the entire yeah eight and a half minutes of this fight, he was winning. All three judges gave him the first round and he was on his way to winning the second round after the knockdown and whatnot, but then he gets a submission victory. Um, On one hand, like I almost feel like I almost feel like part of me wants to look back on what I said about this fight going in and be like, did I give Ricky enough credit? Cause I was very riding high on Jack Shore. Admittedly. I mean, I said, Thought Jack Shore at the higher ceiling. I did say though, right now it's a closer fight than that. Right. Like I, I thought Jack Shore had title potential, still do, but I didn't see that for Ricky. Mm-hmm. 
And like now that this result has taken place, what does it really change about my viewpoint about these two? Well, my viewpoint of the fight itself, I thought kind of is what happened. I mean, I thought Ricky would have a clear power and strength advantage. Um, I wasn't sure how the grappling would go. It seemed yeah. like Jack really didn't want any part of the grappling. And uh, Ricky was very adamant about closing distance, clinching up, and getting him to the ground. And I think Jack had a hard time fighting off uh, the hands of of uh, Ricky just because of the strength advantage. I mean, it was just, Ricky is so strong. I mean, at one point, even picking up Jack and slamming him like he was yeah. nothing. Yeah. Uh, it was very impressive performance for Ricky Simone. And I think that this is the kind of performance that really opens up a lot of people's eyes to what you may have in Ricky Simone. Again, I still don't quite ever see him fighting for a title or competing for a title. But there's some very interesting fights out there for him. You just mm-hmm. have to kind of give him the platform because he's got, he talks to talk, he walks to walk, he has a good look to him. He used mm-hmm. to have the mullet. He didn't have the mullet for this fight. <laughs> True. True. The mullet was a nice touch. But even without it, good-looking guy, like, why not put him in a co-main spot? Like, I don't think it's just Jack Shore who is missing out on a co-main spot here. Ricky Simone, I think, is deserving of that kind of spot, too. He's yeah. a guy that's been in the UFC for a while. He's had to lick his wounds at times, being knocked out by Uriah Faber, followed that up with the loss to Rob Font. But now he's won five in a row. Yeah, I think five in a row, right? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Uh, and he looks better and better each time out. And now he's due for a big fight. So, Dominic, you were Team War Ricky all the way. Uh, you get your roses for this fight. I'm curious, kind of, even though you 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 bet on Ricky Simone, like you really believed in Ricky Simone here, but did it kind of surprise you the way it still turned out? A little bit. I really thought this was going to be a grinded out three round very closely contested fight. And not that it was like a landslide, but you did know that Ricky did win that first round. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no, first of all, there's no negative takeaways for me still on Jack Shore. I think his fight IQ is still incredible. I think his striking is good. I think his grappling is good. He just, he got caught with a good shot, couldn't recover. And Ricky's not going to waste an opportunity. That's what I think the biggest thing about Ricky is. I said in the group chat and Noah already said it fight by fight. He's getting better, and it's like noticeable improvements. You see the improvements that he's making in his game. Um, he's finishing people now. He's finished three out of his last four on that five-fight win streak, including two ranked opponents now, Sun Sao and Jack Shore. And to do that to Jack Shore was just – I think it shows the power that Ricky really does carry at 135. I think that's a big deal. But when you do match that, he is improving his striking fight by fight, camp by camp. Not that he's some world-class guy, but it's at least enough to – keep him competitive on the feet before he gets into his wheelhouse and i think that's a big factor and uh noah that type of skill set is going to continue to be needed to improve because he called out the sugar show sean o'malley that's why the headline says sweetest in the division because ricky called himself the sweetest in the division that's a fight that i feel like makes a lot of sense especially after what happened with sean and pedro munoz and there's a lot of there's a rivalry here it's two young up-and-coming guys um, and it just makes sense. They've tried to make that fight before. There was some kind of drama. Did they want it at 145? Ricky said, no, I, I don't really know what all happened in there. Um, but I think it's a great fight. I think it's a huge actually step up still, as great as Jack Shore is, for Ricky to get to Sean O'Malley. But I think this is an overall 
this is this may be a bold statement, but an overall tougher test for Sean O'Malley than Pedro Munoz was. I'm going to go out and just say that. Maybe it's because I'm more Ricky, but um, yeah, I think that's the fight that should happen next. I think it's a co-main event spot. Honestly, if they ever wanted to put Sean on a fight night, which I don't think they ever will do, easily could headline a fight night as a main event, but more than likely a featured bout to a co-main, depending on the type of pay-per-view. Do you, Did I don't you like better. the call-out? So I, I, I'm all for him shooting a shot, but it seems like the opinion online is that, like, respect on him for shooting a shot, but it's not a realistic fight. That's what yeah. I kept seeing online, and I kind of was surprised by that. I'm like, really? Like, I don't think it's that crazy. Like, is it really that crazy? Like, I guess yeah. Sean's a big star, but, I mean, is Ricky really, like, that far below him? Like, right. I, don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I mean, they've talked. They've jawed at each other before. And yeah. the fight was nearly made at one point before Chris Moutinho stepped in back last year. Um, so I don't mind the call out. Do I think that Sean O'Malley takes that fight next? No. I yeah. I think that uh, Ricky has a very clear advantage over Sean O'Malley. And um, I actually think you're right. I was going to say that, that I thought Ricky's a bigger test than Munoz. Because I kind of said this after the fallout of that fight. I said, nothing against Pedro Munoz. Like, he's a great fighter. He may have ended up winning that fight with Sean O'Malley. But I don't think he's the test for Sean O'Malley. Like, a win over Pedro Munoz isn't necessarily going to tell me that Sean O'Malley is poised for a title fight. Right. A win over Ricky Simone actually says that more to me. It's the style, right? The style of the fighter is what I'm getting at here. Um, I do think that Sean still has some clear advantages over Ricky, but I think that he wants no part of that wrestling. And uh, I'm not saying he would run away from that fight. I'm not going to accuse Sean O'Malley of anything like that. But I do think you more than likely see him and Munoz either run it back or... A lot of people have called for O'Malley Yanez. That's a very oh, wow. interesting fight. That's an um, interesting fight. Just a stand-up delight, you know. So that's a fight um, Sean wouldn't take that though either. You know, that's more unrealistic really? than Sean and Ricky. Oh, you're like, crazy. You know, you think that. really? You're crazy. Wow. You really think that's more unrealistic? I mean, I think for Sean, that favors his style more than a Ricky fight does. Oh, it does favor his style more, for sure. But, yeah, that seems... Well, then why wouldn't he take it? He's not... I don't think he's going to fight anyone outside of rankings. Ganez is ranked 15th, isn't he? Oh, he may be now, true. But, yeah, I I think Ricky's more realistic because of the heat they have behind it now. Uh, I disagree completely. But I get what you're saying. I do think, though, like the idea of a Ricky fight isn't crazy i just felt like a lot of people were talking about it like oh that 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 little whippersnapper shot is shot but you know yeah. it ain't gonna happen i'm like really is it is it that far is that that right. crazy i'm like i don't think so but yeah ricky has a lot of options regardless and i do think he's due for like a borderline top 10 guy i mean how could you say he's not the 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 fucking rankings drop him two spots this week. Going give yeah, him, in a fight week. Give him his ranking back first off. Yeah, like yeah. Frankie Edgar moving up a spot is laughable. 
Yeah. When the last, we haven't seen Frankie since he got knocked out by Corey Sandhagen over a year ago. Like, what what are we doing? What what are these rankings? Yeah, I'll be curious to see what happens Tuesday morning. I actually am just now looking at when they updated it. So Sean's twelve and Ricky's thirteen. So Tuesday morning, I'll be very curious to see what these people do with the rankings. Yeah, they just very. put Sean back in front of them. Like it yeah. just—I don't know—it's weird to me. Like. I think Ricky, after that performance, he should go back to his original spot. He probably should be even higher than that now. But um, yeah, I'll be I'll be curious to see what the UFC kind of put in front of him next because this is a big feather in the cap, right? You know, a win oh, it's a huge win over Jack Shore, who's such an undefeated phenom. And for those that um, don't know about Jack Shore, like he's he's a stud. This has loss... an entire country behind him in Wales. Yeah. I mean. It, He's so good. He's a he's a big deal. I mean, uh, he was the one that was getting all the yeah people saying uh, justice for Jack was the hashtag going around. Yeah, like people were so mad that this guy was not being given a bigger platform. You know, he's the one that's co-main in the prelims, and that nobody's talking about Ricky co-main in the prelims. It's yeah, Jack Shore. Why is he not in a bigger spot? Why is he not on the London card? You know, all this talk. And then he goes in there and gets pretty handedly beaten for eight minutes. Uh, yeah, kind of a funny, I think, dose of a little, a little taste of your own medicine. I guess like show some respect to the guy on the other side of that cage. I think uh, big. It was a big opportunity for Ricky, and he snatched it. Yeah, what this fight did is show not only again how deep one thirty five continues to be, but how good because I again Jack Shore is awesome, and I know he still has a high ceiling, but it showed that there are still guys out there that are just as good, if not better than him. It showed how good Ricky Simone mm-hmm. is. So th- this division is in very good hands for many years to come in the near future. Right. Yeah, completely. More on this card to come. But, Dominic, we got to go across the pond real quick. Yeah, speaking of Wales in the U.K. <laughs> the PFL has announced, Dominic, I hope you I hope you did your homework. I'm just mm-hmm. kidding. I could tell you did. But uh the PFL announced that they will be launching a a new promotion of sorts called yeah. PFL Europe. This is going to be a separate entity from our regular PFL here in America. Uh this is set to debut in 2023. It will host its own events in Europe. During European prime time with European fighters. I mean, they're really going all in. All three boxes checked there. Europe, on Europe there. Um, and over the next two PFL playoff events coming up, mm-hmm. uh, they are both in Europe. And I don't know if you noticed, but the undercard filled with qualifying bouts uh, to earn spots for that PFL Europe season. So I'm just curious, Dominic, you hear this announcement. What's your takeaway here? Does it get you excited? Does it, do you kind of have a lot of questions? Is, um, you know, the, how does it make you just feel overall about what the PFL is doing right now? On paper, I, I don't see how as an MMA fan you don't like the idea behind this because all it does is continue to grow the sport, put eyes on people that otherwise would not have those eyes on them. Um, and it just, it adds more fighters to make more money, put them into the PFL, put them on TV in their prime time for their country. Um, PFL is very, what's the, um, it's a, starts with an I or yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I don't know what word I was trying to think of, but ambitious. They always come up with new 
ideas and they're not afraid to like push it. And if, if it fails, it fails, but they're not afraid to take the risk and do it. And that's what this is here. Like they're going to go out, they're going to look for talent because again, they bring in, you know, their own talent similar to Bellator, but a lot of it, they get people well, look at all the UFC guys that are there now or people that have been in Bellator. They have a lot of guys that have kind of been higher and then when they can't compete there anymore, they come to the PFL. But this is their way to break in, do these European countries, one that they don't really have a large market in now, and find people and mold them sooner and build them in the promotion and make them big names, big household names for their brand in Europe. It grows the PFL's brand too, obviously, because it's huge here domestically. When they announced the playoff events, they had one in New York, the first one, then the other two in the UK. I thought it was odd. I was like, hmm, that's weird. It's strange. They've always done everything here in the States. Now I see why, especially now that you're going to stack these cards with qualifying bouts, which then add more ice to them as well, because if they win, they're going to be in the season next year, and then they're going to have a chance to compete, assuming they make a million dollars for their tournaments too. I don't know. Maybe they won't, but they should. So, yeah, I, I like everything about it. Now it's just about the execution and making sure everything goes to plan. That's the hardest part with the PFL and what they do with their yeah. product. I love that the PFL is giving it a go, though. I just yes. love I got to give them full credit. The PFL is ambitious. And yes. honestly, that's why I think they're probably my number two MMA promotion. I would agree. Bellator. Yep. You know, I, I like a good old Bellator card every now and then, but... One thing that Bellator seems to just lack is ingenuity. Mm-hmm. They seem to kind of just—it's kind of UFC light, you know. Yeah. The even in all aspects, marketing. <laughs> especially. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just—it seems like you know you're like drinking the light version of UFC. That's that's yeah. how it feels. PFL feels very unique. It's so different from everything else. For good and for bad, like the the you take. Like some of the stuff's a little over. Like some of the smart cage, you know, is throwing, showing how much a, a punch travels speed. speed yeah. Like it's a little much, but you know, I respect that they're going all in on it. Like they're not half-assing it. Yeah. Uh, the Challenger series, infamously, like I've kind of pooed on on this show and had my fun with joking around about. But when it was announced, we said we loved that they were going with it. Mm-hmm. But I will admit. That the reason why that failed wasn't because of the idea. The idea was great. Yeah. It was like you said, the execution um, execution of it. They put it on this fucking thing that nobody watches. Yeah, and it was just it, it, it cost me a hundred bucks <laughs> for yeah. two months to. You watch. had the betting odds fiasco. Yeah, yep, the betting odds thing. I mean, it was just it was kind of a mess, and it was a black eye for them. But at the same time, it's hard to like, like they still were giving it their all. You know, I hope yeah. they've learned from that experience and I hope PFL Europe will be very digestible. I hope it'll be on ESPN plus or something. Yes. I don't know what the, you, the like European, I don't know, you know, a lot of times like in other countries. Yeah. Like the ESPN, way that they like watch. ESPN's not in Canada. They right. Have TSN. Yeah. So like. All UFC fights are like on TSN, and yeah. I, I don't know what it, what Europe has to offer in that in that sense, but I hope for American audiences we can still watch it too. I mean, oh, please! I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I want to be able to easily watch this. I don't want to have to buy whatever. I forget what the fuck that shit was called. Uh, Fubo. Yeah, Fubo TV. Like, please don't make me buy that. 
And we've called for like wanting more cards and more fights in the PFL. Hopefully, this gives us additional cards. Don't just throw a ton of people on undercards of your normal events. Give us a couple extra cards. But you have to feel optimistic about what this could mean. Not just yeah. this, but they're also hoping to launch like a like a, a pay per view division. Which yep, that's next. I year still too. don't know what that means, and that idea maybe has a little bit more room for error. I feel like than this yes. one. Like this one feels like a pretty big slam dunk. Like. Mm-hmm. apparently this is the start of what they're hoping to be like multiple like they want to do like regions a, yeah like a pfl africa or pfl yeah. china or something like that's that's what they're hoping to turn it into eventually uh which is very interesting and i think could work out very well if they're able to financially kind of sustain yeah. that yeah um yeah all big big ups on the pfl right now 100 percent uh, let's move on to some fight announcements, Dom. Just a couple oh. here. UFC Paris has lost once again. Um, who wants to fight Manon Fior? Apparently nobody. Yeah. We lost Caitlin Chukagian and steps Jessica Andrade. Now we have unfortunately lost Jessica Andrade. But, but <laughs> there apparently is a chance that Caitlin Chukagian might step Back into this fight. Yeah. yeah. So I'm pretty sure when she dropped out and Andrade was announced, I said, that's a much better fight. I'm excited yes. for that fight. Well, now we're getting potentially the original bout back. Um, any thoughts on this one, Dom? Like, are we, is it, is it feel like we're, is it, is it missing something without Andrade or is the difference really not that big? And it's like, okay, it's still a big fight for Manon to maybe even get a title shot off of. Uh, yeah, I feel like either either or should Manon win, it's probably title fight next. But the dynamic of the fight itself and how it plays out is a drastic difference between Jessica Andrade and Caitlin Chukagian. I have a lot so, less hope for this being a fun fight. Let's yeah, put it that way. Yeah, so uh, we shall see. Both are great tests for Manon in two different aspects. But who knows? This fight could fall out again, and shit, lucky Lauren Murphy might even step in. She was talking about this fight in her mm-hmm. press conference yesterday. So we'll see come September 3rd who Manon is fighting. I just hope it's someone because it is in Paris, and that's where she's from. So Now the one that we really care about, UFC 280 just got announced to be Abu Dhabi's pay-per-view event. The UFC lightweight title will be given an owner. Since it's vacant right now. Yeah, true. <laughs> As Charles Oliveira, the number one contender. Alright, Charles Oliveira, the champion, champion. looks, to, looks yeah. to defend once again against maybe his toughest test to date. Islam Makachev. I said yeah. his name weird. Makachev. Yeah. Um October twenty second, UFC two eighty. Dominic, this has got to be probably one of the biggest fights for the the last half of the year. This is big, right? That's what I, exactly what I thought. They it was so interesting on the broadcast. Again, this was all on ABC, by the way. They announced Charles as the SB Award winner for mm-hmm. Fighter of the Year. That was by the way, very weird. By the way, that was such a weird announcement. Like, well, it made more sense once they yeah. literally transitioned yeah. straight into this fight announcement. And um, man, this just has a big fight feel. It really, really does. I mean, we've seen what Charles has been doing lately, the the streak that he's on, all the drama in his last fight, and he puts all that to the wayside and still goes out there and does what he does to Justin Gaethje. 
then he had the the, the uh, promotion about himself. The champion has a name. Yada yada yada. It was just it was so sick. His story. And then you have Islam Makachev, a guy that no one wants to fight. Ten or eleven or eleven? Ten or eleven fights in a row that he's won. Um, but shout out Brendan Fitzgerald made a good point that I didn't realize on Twitter yesterday. And it's not a knock on Islam, but it was just a fact that I didn't really come into play until now. He does not have a win over a current top ten lightweight, which is mm-hmm. very, very fascinating to think about. But we know the talents there. We know the skill sets there. This fight is so amazing on paper it checks every single box you could want as a fight fan in abu dhabi the ufc's return there it's going to be huge i would imagine as a card as a whole but yeah man i know this isn't habib right it's his protege it's not a connor it's not an eight diaz this is a big a fight feel that you can have without a pay-per-view machine like those names i just mentioned this just feels so big to me as a fan i'm so excited yeah i mean don't get me wrong, would have been I'm sure I would have been very excited if Volkanovsky was put in this yeah. position too, you know, as my conspiracy theory that fizzled out very quickly. Do do you would think have, though that that hand injury kind of like I think that just made really this, solidified that it. He, I'm not saying that that they would have went with Volkanovsky right without it, but I think it made the decision very easy at that yeah. point. That's yeah. what I think. Um but I feel like they probably, at least some people in the UFC brass, maybe not Dana because he had been one Islam and Daniel. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of guys in the UFC have probably been, this has been the fight they've been targeting for an Abu Dhabi pay-per-view, I'm sure. Ever, this was like the easiest fight to predict all year. It was almost too easy. Yeah, yeah. Like to the point where we're like second-guessing because it's like, well, there's no, like, because Dana's saying things and we're like, but... Islam literally called for that Abu yeah. Dhabi card. Like he, 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 like he knew there was an Abu Dhabi pay per view before we did. Before the UFC just, did. <laughs> so like you kind of just knew that they really were going to push for him to be on this card. And UFC has such a good relationship with Abu Dhabi. You figured that the this was the fight that would be there. It is. It's a huge fight. And if you look at what the two bring to the table. I actually, like, Brendan Fitzgerald, it's a very interesting fact, but you'd be surprised at how many fighters are in the same boat that don't Oh, yeah, I couldn't imagine. And I think why, I don't think that that stat means a whole lot because it should be more about what they're ranked when you beat them. Right, right. Because, like, Dan Hooker's since then fell out of the top 10. Yes. But he was a top 10 fighter when Islam beat him. But interesting enough, that is the best win on his resume to date. True. True. Like he hasn't beat anybody ranked above what? Seventh, eighth or whatever that Dan Hooker. And was. really though, probably the one that's even aged the best, regardless of where they were at the time is Armand Saryukin too, you know, and that, but right. that was a close fight, I guess. To it be was fair. a closer, but it was also when they were quite a bit younger. Yeah, it's a sim- It's it's the equivalent of when Usman beat Edwards the first time. Like, oh, perfect. Not sure yeah. it would mean a whole lot now, but it does. It is something for the resume, right? Yeah, like it says something. Um, I'm fine with Islam getting the title fight. Like I'm not. There are some people that think like you know he should have had to get that clear when yeah. look he was in position to fight RDA. Um, it didn't happen. He was supposed to fight Benil. Yeah. Benil had to drop out. He took Bobby Green on short notice, made quick mm-hmm. work of him. Look, everybody thinks he's the next title holder. 
Everybody wants to say I've, that's all everybody says is that he will be the champion yep. by the end of the year. That he's the next lightweight champion. Well, now it's his time to prove. Here you it. go. And yep. do not think that this is going to come easy because Charles Oliveira is fighting like one of the best fighters in the entire company. Yeah. And even if he gets pummeled for a round and a half, don't think Charles won't come back <laughs> yeah. and beat that ass in rounds three, four, five, whatever it might take. Yeah. Um, this fight's just amazing. It's really going to answer a lot of questions about what we have with Islam Makachev because I was a little late to the table on Islam, like as far as really believing in him as like a like a title holder. Mm-hmm. Like I just needed to see him fight higher level opponents to to show that you know the Tiago Moises, the Drew Dovers, you know those were the wins that kind of finally got me on board with him. But even then, I still have like. I still am not, like, I don't think it's a given that he's winning this fight. I think some people really look at him as, like, he's literally Habib. I think that's what some people look at with Islam. And because of that, I think the expectation here is win or bust. Yeah, and that it almost feels unfair to him. A little bit. It is. It is. You know? I think he, but I do think he welcomes it. I mean, he, oh, he does. Yeah, he definitely does, and he has embraced those expectations. And again, as Noah said, you can't look at this fight and I even opening odds. He's like minus two twenty five or something. I would imagine that they may. I don't know. They may shrink down. But uh, that was a what was opening app and a lot of books. What was it? Like uh, he was like minus two twenty five, two thirty. So Charles what? Was coming back. <laughs> Yeah, Charles was coming back at plus 200, two-to-one dog. Wow. Um, we might have to jump on that really early for our bet-wise. But anyway, <laughs> um, you you can't look at Charles' most recent fights and tell me that he's out of any fight because what has he done in every one of them? He gets 10 aided knocked down, looks like he's going to get put to sleep, and then comes back and not just wins, <laughs> destroys the people that he's fighting. So mm-hmm. it, it's uh, this fight shivers down my spine mm-hmm. well said dom let's get on to the rest of ufc long island There's a little chunk here co-main event here amanda lamos gets the second round submission a beautiful guillotine so over michelle waterson gomez <laughs> debuting the new last name here yeah uh, waterson dash gomez uh, she gets it done about a minute 48 seconds of round number two we actually differed a little bit in how we viewed this fight i i just um I looked at this fight, I was like, good win for Lamos, but like, man, Michelle Waterson just doesn't look great to me anymore. And um, yeah. it just seems like each fight out there, like I always, I, I would always see the memes go around when she fights, where yeah. it would show her like kicking and her opponent would be like six feet away from her. And, yeah. You know, she has a habit of doing that. And in this fight, it was like the whole round and a half, she was just throwing at air, basically. And, um, yeah, the the fans really didn't like this fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, Long Island was shitting on this fight like right away. A little bit unfair to these two ladies. I didn't think it was that bad of a fight, but yeah, um, I thought Lamos looked good. I thought it was a beautiful submission, just super tight. And shout out to both of them for you know good, uh, good. Um, what do you call it? Like uh, yeah, that was MMA respect. You know, yeah, good martial respect artists, there, right? Yeah, yeah, that that you know one gave up the choke as soon as she felt the tap. One tapped and didn't pretend like she didn't, even right. the ref didn't see it. Yeah. So all good stuff there. Yeah, and, you know, just really no other real takeaways. But Lamos gets back on track because I still believe in her, but 
Noah mentioned the clock is ticking. She's 36, so there's not a ton of time, but she still looks really good when she's out there and has a good record. And I just got to say quickly for Michelle, it's that no one could benefit more of a atom weight division than her. I'm convinced because she just looks so much smaller than every other person that she fights. It's actually crazy. But other than that, that's all I've got. Mm-hmm. Lee Jingliang gets to come from behind TKO, becomes the first man to knock out Muslim Salikov. Round two, four minutes, 38 seconds in. What did you think of the Leech's performance here, Dom? It was uh, very good. And like you said, the first guy to get the knockout, nothing, I don't know. It was like, it was kind of a relaxed, chill fight until it wasn't. And then he, he, yeah. he looked great when he landed the combinations. And the way that he just stalked down Muslim to like land those finishing shots was savage so uh, it was a great win another one for him to bounce back we hadn't seen him since he lost to Hamzat, but he held on to his top 15 ranking i still believe in the leech he uh has done a lot for the chinese market as well he's one of the most the second most successful chinese fighter probably right now in the ufc behind zhang wei li so yeah i, I still believe in the leech i think he does have good potential he's always going to be in a fun fight that's tough for muslim salikov but it because we kind of discussed how he's like in a prospect role, but he's 38 years old and he was on a, you know, riding high of five fights in a row, but this win or loss, I should say, uh, really sets him back from any hopes he probably had, which is unfortunate yeah. for him, but the leech comes out on top. The leech rides on. Yes. Um, and what was one of the craziest fights of the year? Matt Schnell comes back. I mean, yeah. probably this is up there with, uh, Pat Barry, Chet Congo, yeah. Like, this comeback is insane. He gets the second-round submission over Sue Madureji, uh 4 minutes, 24 seconds in. I mean, this round two was incredible. Mm. Um, Sue just spamming elbows. Looked like he had Schnell out on his feet multiple times. Schnell comes back, lands a nasty straight right that rocks Sue, mm-hmm. is able to get the fight to the ground. Sue transitions, yeah. he moves him over to the top. Then all of a sudden, the, the triangle gets put on, mm-hmm. and it's all over. Schnell wins. Sue, uh, the image, that image oh, of dude. Sue looking just dead with blood covered all over both of them. Yeah. I mean, that's an image that will live in, in MMA history yeah. forever this fight was incredible it's why we it's why i love this sport just barbaric as could be but <laughs> yeah. these two gave everything and i'm happy they got the fight of the night bonus schnell's gonna get an extra bonus dana said yeah um just good stuff it, it was terrific even though my guy sue unfortunately loses here but man what an effort yeah, I mean, no guy goes away here looking poorly. It was number eight versus number 12, and Tuesday, damn it, they should not very much well, in their spots. this is the thing, Dom. This flyweight division, once again, people don't like the flyweights. Watch that fight and say you don't like Yeah, please, please. Oh, that was it. Oh, that was it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I cut you off, but I didn't know if you had more to say yeah, there. Um, you're good. Yeah, so moving on from that, Shane Burgos. Gets the majority decision over Charles Jourdain. A lot of people not liking this decision. Yeah. But Shane Burgos remains undefeated in the state of New York. Did you agree? Uh, so, again, I had a bet on Shane Burgos, but I actually did score the fight for Charles Jourdain because round one, round one was the round. That's the round. That's the round. You know what I mean? Because Shane won 
the second half of the round, Charger Dane started and won the first half of the round. So it's like, well, we'll pick your poison. There was literally like two and a half minutes. It was a fight in its own right. So one guy won one half. Um, so I knew that was a toss up. And I knew that for the scorecards, it was going to be the same way. Um, well, really, I guess it technically wasn't. But And then they gave round two, or one judge, I shouldn't say they, Mike Bell gave round two a 10-8 to Shane Burgos. But I'm going to be honest, Noah, round three felt like more of a 10-8 to Charles Jordan than round two felt like a 10-8 to yes, Shane Burgos. Completely so I'm gonna, agree. I'm just going to keep it real. But again, we don't know how to judge fights, and nobody in the fucking world knows how to judge fights. So what do I know? But if damage is the first thing, and there wasn't really any damage in round two, albeit Shane had like over four minutes of control, threatened with submissions. I understand that. But Jordan, the numbers that he landed in round three, it was like nearly 100 to like 20 in the third round. And he almost had Shane Burgos out on yeah. his feet on the it cage. Was incredible. So, uh, yeah, I mean, do with you. If either guy comes out of there winning, I'm fine either way. I just have to be a little bit better today because I had money on Shane Burgos and he won. But uh, again, kind of like the previous fight, Charles Jordan doesn't leave this fight looking any less than he did coming in. If anything, he looks better. That was his first top 15 opponent, and nobody can really... Like, Shane Burgos is in that those type of fights all the time. That's where he lives. So the fact that Charles Jordan almost got him out of there, it was a sick fight. I didn't expect anything less of it. It is kind of interesting that Jordan almost outscrapped Burgos. Like Burgos kind of had to be more of the finesse fighter here yeah, to get yeah. the job done. And that, if you look at the, uh, they said this was the third biggest strike discrepancy between a losing that a losing fighter had over a Man, winning fighter. It was like seven. Right? I think the strikes, the significant strikes, it was like one eleven to forty one. Or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think so. Because um, that round that was dominated by uh, Burgos, where he had the back for almost the entire round, he got a 10 8. I think he only landed like less than 10 significant strikes in the round. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, but again, like, I'm not opposed to, like, it was very clearly those two rounds went to each guy. Yeah. I didn't think there was any 10 8s to give out. So I kind of disagree with the whole 10 8 notion. Right. Right. Um, it came down to round one. So to me, no robbery there, but mad respect to both guys. They both put it all out there. Jordan, I think comes out looking great here because even though he lost, like again, he kind of beat Burgos at his own game at points. And Mm -hmm. um, Burgos kind of had just due to maybe more experience, higher level competition, able to pull a few rabbits out of the hat to get it done. Um, Yeah. This was a great fight. Yeah, and what was that stat from GC? 7-0 and now for Burgos in yep. the state of New York City yep. for the UFC. So that's what crazy, is it, one man. 1-3 elsewhere, I Other, think. So. Yeah, yeah. And George Jordan, guys, only 26 years old. So Yeah, he's got plenty left. Uh, Lauren Murphy got a unanimous decision whenever Misha Tate, Dom. But I feel like the bigger takeaway from this fight has to be with the loser, Misha Tate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this yeah. was her debut the new weight class, women's flyweight. We thought this might be a good move for her. But um, she comes out losing pretty clearly on the scorecards. Uh, looks like that title fight with Valentina a little bit out of reach for now. Uh, what did you take away from this one? This was tough, man. Um, and again, bet slip aside. Like just, I was I was very intrigued to see how Misha was going to look at 125. We had talks. She's never been a huge weight, but she's always had relatively good success there. Obviously a former champion. She looked good during fight week, cut the weight good physically, looked great. 
but in the cage looked slower than she's ever looked before. Not that she's ever been known to be a phenomenal striker, but like she, anything she tried to do, nada, nothing mm-hmm. really worked for her. And shout out to Lucky Lauren Murphy because apparently she came out this week said she had C diff going into her fight with Valentina. Yeah, that's a um, little hmm. yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, that's maybe pretty serious. Been, maybe should have been a little more proactive on that yeah. diagnosis there, Lauren. I mean, yeah. Because apparently you can put other people at risk with that, like yeah. Valentina, who she fought with right. that. Yeah, um, I don't know what to think about that, but yeah, it's still. I mean, what a tough ass chick to yeah. to fucking fight through that. But and, and mm, she, mm. she 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 looked better than most of her wins she had in route to the title fight. I guess outside of a couple, she had good wins, obviously. But she's thirty eight. She's not going to just jump right back into a title fight right now but she called again as i mentioned earlier the winner of the ufc paris fight as a number one contender fight so i respect her she had a very good the way she spoke um in her post-fight press conference and interview was very uplifting and you know good on her highly believes in herself and i i love that no matter what your skill level is if you're ranked or unranked but yeah misha tate i don't know i don't know that this is her big comeback she's one and two now she lost her debut at 125 really in lingo if you ask me i don't really know how much longer the comeback can last it's unfortunate to see a pioneer kind of in a state like this but that's how the sport is man you know i'm glad you talked a little bit about lord murphy because i don't care about what fight your relationship continues no i just it's like i mean what who cares like i mean yeah. she's not she's not close to a title fight right. Like, right i mean if she i think it was a good call out i thought she looked great on the mic like you know she mm-hmm. talked good um, she looked good in the fight, but I'm not surprised. Like, I think a lot of people have been drinking the Misha Tate Kool Aid. I think Dominic, you might even throw yourself in. It that, slapped me in, in the that, face in this weekend. Um, I feel like I've been kind of red pilling Misha Tate for a while, where it's just like her whole comeback. I've just not been impressed. I mean, yeah, she looked great in her comeback fight. Yeah, but then you look at the opponent and you're like, well. Someone Let's, who was literally yeah. retiring, yeah, forty some years old, not a great opponent. Yeah. Then she fights, uh, what's her name, Catlin, um, Catlin Vieira, and both women come out of that fight looking pretty not great. And Misha just losing that fight even more said that to me. It was one of my least favorite main events of the whole year. <laughs> then this fight takes place, and yeah, Misha got her ass kicked really i mean it's yeah. she did look she didn't look th- this this weight move did nothing for her no not at all and i mean it, she looked worse. i don't i don't uh mind her trying it because i mean again i to me this did this fight like her performance here didn't look that much different than when she fought ketlin like to me there was no difference like the speed cool. was the same the the striking was lackluster for both like it was just another that like it's just it the, the weight moved in nothing it didn't make her worse it didn't make her better to me she looked just like she did against Ketlin I thought so um I I get what you're saying about like oh it's unfortunate for a pioneer to kind of look like this but I mean I've never thought her comeback was I never really looked at her comeback and thought oh she could be a title in a title fight or something I 
I mean, look at the way she left. I mean, she yeah. left getting pummeled by Amanda Nunes. Like, the sport had already passed her by. Mm-hmm. You know, for her to come back at all is just impressive and awesome. But um, if she wants to keep doing this, she can. It's just uh, how much does she want? Does she want to be in this kind of middle of the pack? That's that's her. That's up to her what she wants to do. But and and the um, damage. I don't, think, been I don't bad. think it's. I just don't think it's that unfortunate. Like I don't think it's like a sad thing because I mean I feel like she left the sport in a similar spot to where she's coming back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Because she lost back-to-back fights, lost the title to Amanda, lost to Raquel at UFC 205. Yeah. she's didn't look great in those two fights, and here she is now still not looking very great. Just yeah. what she wants to do, that's up to her. Mm-hmm. Next one, Punahele Soriano mm. comes out quick in round two, gets the KO of Doucha Lungambula. What'd you think, Don Puna getting back on track three and two in the UFC now, three KOs? Yeah, the dude's got power, man. He drops bombs, and it was just, um, again, when there's only 28 seconds, his power just showed through and through. A contender series guy was on a skid, right? Had lost two in a row, but good competition. It was Nick Maximov, and I can't remember who the other loss was, but it was another really good name. It'll come to me, hopefully. But yeah, he, he gets back on track. A lot of riding of the ship on this card for a few guys. And uh, Punahele kind of fits the bill there. Curious to see how, um, what will come next for him. He's a young guy too, so 9-2 and two overall. For uh, Doucha, by the way, it's, I don't know. The dude's built like a brick shithouse. I've never, his physique is unbelievable. But yeah. like the potential in the octagon. It's just been kind of weird. That's three losses in a row for him, by the way. Well, too. I think I think he's probably yeah. done in the UFC. I mean, yeah, he might be. He might fit the part in his build, but he just hasn't really fought. Like yeah, exactly. Um, next one, Bill Algio, another great comeback here. Starts off dicey dicey against Herbert Burns. Herbert comes out looking. I Ooh. mean, just the best version we've ever seen of him, like a rocket shooting out is able to get on those submissions quick, puts a triangle on Algio, and then what happens, Dom? Algio fights out, and Herbert Burns' gas tank goes from 100 Shoo-wee. to zero. Mm. And Bill Algio, basically, it's a mixture of factors. Herbert Burns, his brother Gilbert put on Instagram that his knee did pop. Yeah. Um, so it looked like a retorn ACL uh-huh. mixed with absolute fatigue yes bill algio essentially made herbert burns quit in this fight and uh that's a big that's a big statement for bill algio to come back like that to fight through those submissions and then to kind of pummel herbert burns made him not want to be in there anymore um man bill algio is a tough motherfucker man dude bill algio is a dog he's shown it in all four of his previous fights showed it again here I love to call out a Chase Hooper. Chase Hooper's response is fucking yeah, hilarious. That was, that was pretty Because the kid's literally, like, younger than us. So he just got done getting his wisdom teeth taken out. And he's like, is it the whoopee gas or did someone just call me out? But, uh, listen, that's awesome. It's all well and good. I need the battle of the bills. That's what I still need in my veins. So hopefully yeah. they can make that happen. But, uh, yeah, what more can you say? Just a dog. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not against the battle of the Bills taking place, but, you know, Chase Hooper call out. That was a pretty good call out. And, oh, it you know, was. Um, I can't. So you're like, right, you're like diehard. I need Bill versus Bill right now. Yeah, I got Rafael, Rafael. I need Bill, Bill. That's what I need. 
Um, yeah, I mean, any thoughts on Herbert Burns, Dom? I mean, I'm pretty sure you said you you tend to you get pretty shocked when these jujitsu guys come over and they Holy their gas shit. tanks go zap. I mean, uh, Rodolfo Vieira. That you still. I, I'm pretty sure you're going to fade Rodolfo Vieira in every fight he's in. Probably. Because of that one fight where he gassed, like, yeah. immediately. Yeah. So is Herbert Burns about to face the same fate for you? Yeah, he may be on a fade list for me now, betting-wise, going forward, because this was worse than Rodolfo Vieira, and I didn't think it got much worse than that. And, again, I really hope his he didn't tear his ACL again, because that's terrible if so. Um, so Because he's such a young guy, and he does have potential on the mat. He's dangerous. The dude – finishes people but when it i mean look uh, at how good he looked in the big oh, yeah. portions of this fight I mean, he looked if anything bill algio just showed how fucking good he is really yeah. but herbert looked great but man regardless like if his knee didn't pop he was still gone like he he didn't get up off of the mat yeah. like the ref had to be like dude get up like two prior times then when the third time came around keith's like nope that's it so it's unfortunate that his knee is probably fucked up. I hope it's nothing serious. But man, the gas tank, if you want to have a future, you got to work on that. People are, by the way, comparing him and his brother. Little much, guys. Come on. Let's, let's be light. Gilbert Burns is a world class fighter. So Herbert's much less experienced, much younger. Chill on those comparisons. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit rude, I thought. But yeah, hopefully he comes back and he's healthy. That's all that matters. Also, Dom, I'm getting sick and tired of Dustin Jacoby being buried on these prelims. And once again, he takes on a, a very tough opponent who matched his record. You know, they were both pretty undefeated coming in here. Both yeah. had a draw in the UFC. But uh, Dustin Jacoby gets the first-round knockout of Dom Jung, 3-13 in. And I am tired of him getting these kind of fights. Tough opponent, but someone not ranked. Someone deep on the prelims yeah this win give my man dustin jacoby a top 10 opponent and put him on a damn main card because he's ranked 15th at light heavyweight mm-hmm. he's a great kickboxer yeah like what are what are we doing here like he is a, a guy that could have some potential in this light heavyweight division that's not you know it's not talent stacked like give the guy a chance you know he's not getting any younger he's 34 years old i like dustin jacoby i thought he looked great yeah, and, you know, I'd like to see him get an opportunity to test himself against the top ten. And getting a walk off knockout after you know, because he's a guy that goes the distance a lot. He point fights, but he's great at it. He's a great kickboxer. Yeah. But getting a finish over a dude with a lot of momentum, please give him top ten, especially and in he, this division. What is he six zero and one in the UFC now? Yeah, like, ain't lost. His only draw was against uh, the Hulk. Who's the the that mother? Uh, Kudalaba. Yeah, Kudalaba. He had a draw with, but. I'll tell you that, man, he has looked great. I mean, he's literally got the best win percentage in from the Contender Series guys. Like, he is the guy carrying the torch for the Contender Series. But you wouldn't know it because he's on the first fight of the prelims every fucking time he fights. So I know. Just give this guy a bigger platform, and maybe, just maybe, he'll show you something. Yeah, and he can do it in this division right now, too, yeah. so... Yeah, but that's going to wrap it up for the rest. Let's move on to the bed slip, Dom. We didn't get a chance to preview our bed slip because due to my travels and whatnot. But uh, hopefully you guys checked our Twitter and Instagram Mm -hmm. and saw the bets ahead of time because this ended up being a pretty good week for your boys. 
So, Dominic, you look at the bet slip. What kind of stood out to you from this week? The dogs were barking for the money line, by the way. I, I was actually waiting to talk about your Dustin Jacoby play just now because I wanted to talk about it here when we really break down the odds and whatnot for betting. Did you see the line movement for that fight throughout the week? It was very interesting. because well, Doc. I, I only saw when when we if we would have placed the bets when we normally did, he would have been like minus one fifteen. Yeah. But since we waited, he went all the way to plus one and five. So I was very happy about that. Yeah, a hundred percent. I very much have indulged myself with the betting community for MMA. Just getting uh, like where are people's thought processes? Because again, we're newer, and I just want to see like where are people's heads at compared to mine. What are people thinking when they break down these fights? And going into this week, a ton of people were on Da Eun Jung because he was the dog. So people were hammering him as an underdog. That's all I ever see. Da Eun Jung, that's what people were taking um, in all of their picks. But then it got the day out from fight week, and the line completely flipped because Da uh, Eun was like a plus 125. Then he finished at like a minus 125. Dustin Jacoby just, boom, but plus 105. Even closed higher in some books. Probably closed higher on fight night before Noah or after Noah had already placed this pick. So it was very weird that a fight like this had so much movement, but Jacoby ends up being the underdog and Noah hits there. But otherwise, um, I mean, everything was good. Our money lines were good, three and one. And we, you know, we went against each other. First time in a long time, someone had to win, someone had to lose, Mm -hmm. but it's all good there. If we're going to go against one another, I want it to be in a fight like that. But I mean, look at all the pluses on there. That goes a long way. And that's what helped us kind of secure the positive outlook on this week's bet slip. Yep. Yeah, the parlays weren't helpful this week, but yeah. you know it happens. The singles though go six and one on those. It's hard to lose. Exactly. So moving on, Dom. What's like one way we end this show? We don't just send you on your way. We like to do a little thing called closing statements around here. Mm-hmm. That's what the point of the show. Where me and Dom, we can get anything and everything off our chest, MMA related or not. And then we'll send you off into the, the week to come. So, Dominic, any closing statements for this Monday edition? Yeah, I want to get people's thoughts really quick because I've always heard this for many, many years. Pouring down rain today in Ohio. Well, it might not be right now, but it was very bad this morning. It's supposed to the rest of the day. As I was coming back home today to get into the studio, but no, I had to get to my car. Pouring down rain, torrential downpour. And I'm like, hmm. And as I was leaving, I said, you know, I always heard... That if you run, you get more wet than when you walk. But is that really a true statement? Hmm. I want someone to, if you know out there, just give me your thoughts. Have you always heard that? Because I've heard it for so long. And I'm like, does it really matter? Does it really matter which way it is? Does my level of moisture on my clothes matter if I'm running or walking? Because I walked today and I felt like I would have been just as wet. Or what did I say? If you run, you get more wet. So I felt like I wasn't less wet by walking. I was still soaked. So I just want to know. Something simple, something light. Is that a thing? You've never heard that? No, I've never heard that. Dude, I've heard that so many times for so many people. If you run in the rain, you actually get more wet. Actually, that's that doesn't make any sense at all. Just walk, walk with me here, okay? Uh, literally. <laughs> if you walk outside, okay, yeah. you're yeah. going to go to your car. You will get there faster if you run versus if you walk, right? Right. And you'll right. get there faster if you walk than if you just stand still. 
<laughs> yes, <laughs> true. So if you go outside and you stand still for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you're going to get very wet. Right. So to me, if you run, you will get less, less wet, wet than if you walk because it just takes you less time. Right. Therefore, less rain will be on you. Yeah. That's what I would think. Yeah. Whoever I've, told you that is silly. I've been hoodwinked and bamboozled. Yeah, I don't I don't know what kind of people in Carlisle you've been listening to. This is why this is why Carlisle shouldn't tell anybody anything. <laughs> because the Carlisle for all of its quirks that's the kind of shit you learn in Carlisle. We have a good yeah. education. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, we we were we were like two grades behind when we went to BG. <laughs> My closing <sighs> statement for today. I'm gonna talk about I'm I'm gonna talk about style, you know. Something mm-hmm. I possess. This is true. A lot of style, right? Yeah. What happened to the days where people would wear sun visors? Hmm. Man, I am I I ha, I bought that sun this sun visor on vacation, Bubba Gump's sun visor. And I had so many people tell me, "Oh, retro." Hmm. I was like, "Retro?" I said I just thought it, I didn't know it was retro. Apparently, me sun need- visors aren't like a thing anymore. Really? Yeah, and I went online. I was looking on different stores, and they really don't sell sun visors anymore. It's all like so, snapbacks. Yeah, stuff? so I, I plan on uh, so my my goal is to bring back the sun visor. Please do, Please because do. it's kind of crazy to me that such a, a quality piece of uh, style is now missing from today's wardrobe. And I feel like in in today's world, you see a lot of like retro older clothes coming back. So you're going to lead the charge. Yep. For the next big sun thing. Visors. And then, Dom, you can wear some sun visors on the golf course, right? Yes, yes. Of yep. course. Because that's where I, I I literally looked up sun visors, and all I saw was, like, tailor-made. Mm. Uh, I don't know. You know your brands. Your golf yep. brands. Yep. Callaway, Bridgestone. Yep. Mm. Yeah. The only sun visor on Barstool's website is Barstool Golf. Oh, how about that? So... Dom, I know you're not much of a hat guy, but sun visor guy, that could I, be you. I may have to do it just for you. I mean, if if the below average Joes ever get a merch line, the first item has to be a sun visor now. That's the, I don't the, make the rules. Reason, the reason why it's a sun visor, like people might ask me, why don't you just get a regular hat? Well, guys, I can't because my head is so fucking big that hats don't fit me. They just yeah. don't. But a sun visor, I can just have that big old melon just... You know, I'm like, yeah, especially with like your hair, it would puff out real nice, but the yeah. visor's still blocking the sun. You look good, Noah, damn it, in the picture. Thank you. Let I them appreciate know. It. I appreciate yeah. it. But uh, that's it. I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We're the Blue Average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Thursday. <laughs>